Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored for the Ripuashele man, successful surgery of Yishak Ben Nitza, sponsored anonymously. We wish him a Ripuashele man, Ripuata Nefesh, Ripuata Guf. Okay. <clears throat> the Pasuk in the Parasha begins by talking about the Pikudea Mishkan. And it mentions a double Lashon. It says as follows. Rashi on the spot asks, why does it say Mishkan, Mishkan two times? Says Rashi, The reason why it says it two times is to hint to the fact that the Mikdash was taken two times from the Jewish people and destroyed the, the, the first Beit HaMikdash and the second Beit HaMikdash. What is the word Mishkan? Uh, you know, how does it connect to the word Mishkan? The word Mishkan can mean a dwelling place. But the same letters also spell the word Mashkon. Mashkon means something that a person takes as collateral. If someone borrows money and he wants to make sure the other guy is going to pay him back, so sometimes the guy will say, look, I promise you I'll give you the money here. Take my, uh, take my ring. Take the keys to my car. Take the keys to my house. You know that you'll be able to, re- to receive payment because if not, you'll be able to collect from the collateral. So there are two times where the Mikdash was destroyed and it's defined as the Mishkan. Says Rashi twice because of the two Hurbanot, the Hurbanin, Alabanotem Israel. But then Rashi continues and he says, but what does this mean, Mishkan Ha'edut? Why was it the building? Why was it called the Mishkan of testimony? What was it testifying to? And, um, and Rashi explains, Edut li Israel was a testimony for the Jewish people, that God had forgiven them for the fact they had done the Egel. Why? Because you see God, He was willing to dwell amongst them in the Mishkan. So what was the testimony of the Mishkan that God was willing to dwell among them, amongst them? The book, the Sefer Dirash Vayun asks the most beautiful question. He says, if you're telling me that the Mishkan was a Mishkan of testimony, so then the testimony that God was with us which happened first? The fact that God had forgiven us for the sin and was willing to dwell amongst us? Or the fact that God had destroyed the temples? When God destroys the temples, that's a sign that God is upset with us, not with us. So then why in the world would you put the dwelling of the Mishkan, God in the Mishkan as a testimony after the fact that you say Mishkan and Mishkan two times? Again, I'll read you the Pasuk. So you see, it's out of order. It's uh, it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not it's not in sequence. So I saw an unbelievable answer. But to understand the answer, I want to share with you an unbelievable story. The uh, Rev Rev Karlenstein brings down that he once had a conversation with an elderly man whose name was Rev Alter Boim. His name he was a a a, a Jew that lived in Warsaw uh, before the war. And his father-in-law was very, very wealthy. And the father-in-law said to him, I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to study Torah. We have a big house. We, we you know, help a lot of people. A lot of people come to the house. They live on, uh, you know, on our tzedakah. We want you also to spend all of your time studying Torah. And we'll take care of everything. We want the zikhut. Okay. Every day, he goes to the Bet Midrash. And he sits and he studies. And he was a big Talmud Chacham. Wonderful. One day... In the Bet Midrash, all of a sudden, an elderly man walks in. He's carrying a lot, you know, a big load of books with him. And he sits down in the Midrash, in the, in the Bet Midrash. 
And he says to Rav Alter, he says, look, is there a place that I could, uh, like a, a security room where I could leave my things where no one will take them, a private room? So he says, we don't have some, something like that in the Bet Midrash, but he said, my in-law's house is right around the corner. They have a giant house. They love to welcome guests. I'm sure they'll hold your stuff for you. You know, for how long, however long you're here. He says, wow, thank you so much, this old man says. He takes the old, he says, he says to the old man, come with me in a few minutes, I'm going home. I'll show you how to go. The guy picks up his books, he picks up his bags, he's schlepping it, and Rev Altoboim uh, is walking with him. He walks down the road, gets to the house. This elderly man puts his stuff down in the side room. He says, uh, you know, can we get you something to eat from the kitchen? So the guy says, you know what, I'll have just a slice of bread and a black coffee. He says, I don't think you understand, this is a wealthy family. We love having guests over. We give them everything they want. You can ask for more than a, a slice of bread and a black coffee. I said, no, thank you very much, that's all that I need. Give him a slice of bread and a black coffee. He drinks it, eats it. He puts his things down, he takes his big bag of books, and, and he walks and he leaves the house. That night he comes back. He says, where are you staying? He says, today's my first day, I haven't sorted it out yet. He says, nonsense, you stay with us. However long you're here, you stay with us in the house. He stays there one day, two days, three days, four days, the entire week he's there with them. What is he eating? One slice of bread and one black coffee each day. Then he takes his bags, walks with his books. He goes out and he comes back. Shabbat comes and he says, Wait, are you gonna go back before Shabbat? He says, no, he says, no, I plan to go back only on Monday. He says, will you stay with us? He says, okay, he says, of course, thank you so much. He stays with them Shabbat. He says, the only thing is, I'm a little bit nervous, he says, because it's Shabbat. I don't know exactly, he says to the man, uh, if the kashrut in the house is, uh, is uh, up to the, to, with the par, he says, you know, would you mind, maybe I don't want to insult your in-laws. You know, do you know where they purchased? They said, oh, we purchased all of our meat from the, this specific butcher, it's a big Talmud Chacham. His name is Rabbi Moshe. He says, oh, you get it from Rabbi Moshe? He says, of course, then I'd love to join you. He spends Shabbat with them on Sunday, Sunday morning. He has his last slice of bread and black coffee. He's on his way. That, that day, Rav Alta sitting in the, uh, in the Bit Midrash. Sky walks in, his face is shining. He says to him, what's, he says, what's going on? I, I see that you're, uh, he says, I'm from the village, one village over. And we've just had uh, the most amazing opportunity to meet this fantastic, what's it called, Talmid Chacham, he gave a shiur in the town, he, you know, he did this, he did that, he did this, he did that. He says, never in my life was I ever zochet to meet someone as special as this person. The Berachot, the Torah, the clarity. I even had, I, I bought one of his books that he was carrying around. He says, really, what's the name of the book? He says, it's called Mishnah Berurah. Did you ever hear of it? For a week, Rav Alta says. And when he told Rav Karlenstein the story, he got very emotional. He said, for a week, I had the Chafetz Chaim in my house. He was a humble guy, didn't say one word about who he was, didn't tell anyone which books. He says, if I would have known, I would have carried his books, I would have put them on my shoulders, I would have put them on my bed, I would have rubbed his feet, you know. If I would have known it was the Chafetz Chaim. He had such regret, years and years and years later, he lived to be a hundred years old, this man. Rabbi Tai, a lot of times we have a guest that comes to us and we don't know who he is. And we don't treat him with the proper respect. 
And we say afterwards, if I would have known what this guest was, who he was, what he brought to the table, I would have treated him very, very differently. You know, unfortunately, this is also true not just about guests in a physical and human form, but the guests, the me'orot, not just the orchim, but the occurrences that happen to us in our lives are the same way. Sometimes a guest comes to our life and we don't understand exactly who this guest is and what the guest is bringing. Says the Sefer Drash Iyun, you got it all wrong. The fact that God sat and you know, was in the temple is beautiful. But that doesn't prove the testimony that God loves the Jewish people, that His love for the Jewish people is so intense. You want to know how you know that God forgave the Jewish people and He dwelled in the Mishkan wholeheartedly is from the fact that when it came time and the Jewish people needed to be punished, instead of punishing the Jews, what did God do? He took out all of the avonot, all of the, the checks and the balances. He took a mashkon, he took the, instead of the mishkan, he took the collateral uh, of the Beit HaMikdash instead of punishing the Jews. So you see that the entire time, the reason why God was in the mishkan is not because it was a beautiful house, not because it was a beautiful abode, but rather because of the love that he had for the Jewish people. In fact, the Midrash tells us that when God first rested his presence, in the Beit HaMikdash that Shilomo HaMelech built, which was so magnificent, on the day that it entered into the Mikdash, God made an unnatural arafel, a thick cloud and smoke, cover the whole Mikdash, so you couldn't even see the Beit HaMikdash. To illustrate, don't think I'm coming here, because it's gold, because it's beautiful. You can't even see it. The reason why I'm coming here is because of my love for the Jewish people. So says the Dirash V'iyun, you want to know which came first, what, when do you know that God is with you? You know that God is with you when He leaves your temple. A lot of times a person goes through something, a terrible occurrence in their life. Something happens and a relationship that they thought was going to pan out actually doesn't work and the Shinuch breaks up maybe months before they get married. Sometimes a person is sitting and trying to figure out how to get their kid into school and they keep trying and they do everything and nothing they do works. And then they realize a month later that actually the school that they got their kid into, the second school, is a thousand times better for that child. We don't know the guests that come to visit us. And sometimes we get to find out afterwards, in the aftermath, how important that guest was. Rabotai, that is the power of emunah. That a person not only can appreciate the guest later, but during the time when the guest is visiting their life, they can also say to themselves, We're going to say to, in, uh, in just two days the words of the Halal. What does that mean? I praise you, God. What does that word mean? Answered me. But the truth is, that same word pronounced differently with different ikudot also means. That God, He gave me troubles. David HaMelech understood that if a person has true emunah, they don't only thank God for the guests that they know, they thank God for the guests that they don't know as well. And that they're not sure how they're going to pay dividends. Because ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, He doesn't send you anything that is not for your good or not for your benefit. Sometimes we struggle to figure it out. But in the end, we find out exactly what it was. And I love the fact that in the story itself, who was the guest visitor? What was his name? Chafetz Chaim. The words Chafetz Chaim means he who 
seeks life. A lot of times people live their lives and they waste so much of their life because they're in every scenario pointing out how this part of life is bad and that part of life is bad. And the only time they find simcha in their life is when life is giving them a sun, a sunny and a shining, a shining sun on that day. What a waste of so much of your life. If only you understood that that guest brought good tidings in the fullness of time, then a person who was chafetz chaim would manage to welcome that guest as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.